Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Jersey Mike's. I've got Greg Barnes with me, and I've got Ross Martin here to tell us about Jersey Mike's. Yeah, new sponsor for us, Jersey Mike's Subs of Chapel Hill. Right now, get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15 at the four participating Chapel Hill and Hillsborough locations. Log on to jerseymikes.com backslash order. Get 15% off your online order with HEELS15. Good stuff, Ross. We'll hear more about Jersey Mike's and some other sponsors later in the show. And if you're listening and you're in the Chapel Hill area, take advantage of it. It's certainly worth it. Let's roll right into the show. Greg, I'll start with you first. We sort of talked offline about what we were going to talk about online. Let's do some preseason awards for this football season. It's right around the corner. September 1st will be here before you know it. And let's go straight into it. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Let's talk about the most important defensive player as of right now for this North Carolina football team, Greg. I think the most important defensive player is the guy in the middle on the front line, and that's going to be Aaron Crawford. And I say that because this defense has really struggled over the last several years. We know they had a good year in 2015, but really what they had success with in 2015 uh, was in limiting explosive plays, and they did a really good job in red zone defense. In terms of the actual stats, teams had a lot of success against them. And when you look against, you, know, you look at the the good teams they played that year, which wasn't many, but Clemson and Baylor in particular, and that defensive line really struggled. And so we've heard about how these guys have come along over the years. Now this is a deep group. It's time to, to put up. We've got to see these guys execute. And I think that starts with Aaron Crawford. He had the best spring of anybody on the team, according to Larry Fedora and several assistant coaches. He's had a very good training camp. Uh, he's, a, he's a veteran guy. He's very savvy. He's a good leader. And so I think for North Carolina to have a good defensive year and to make that step forward, Crawford has to be the anchor up front. He's got to warrant double teams. That makes things a lot easier for his, for the guys around him on the defensive line, but also makes things easier for, for the back seven. And so Crawford's my pick. Yeah, and I'm not going to argue with that, Greg. I think that's a great choice. Obviously, a name I considered as well. But I will go um, one step back. I'll go with Cole Holcomb, um, kind of aligning with that. Well, he won't play middle linebacker, but he'll be in on every every play and might play some middle linebacker throughout the season. I think just because of the lack of depth at linebacker for UNC, I think it's so important um, that Cole Holcomb is healthy and has a good season for this defense to kind of work. Without him, you're looking at a very, very young inexperienced and kind of a not very proven or even talented group of linebackers, but you add Holcomb in there and all of a sudden it does look a little better. I think this linebacker group would be, would be top notch if Andre Smith had came back for his senior season. That's not, that's not the case, 
So a lot of um, the eyes turn to Holcomb to not only lead this group, to be a big-time productive player behind that defensive line. I don't disagree with either one of you, and I like the Aaron Crawford pick, but I think uh, Malik Carney, Taman Fox, and I'm going to sort of use them as a slash since they're missing. Uh, they'll each alternate missing games in the season. I think Carolina's got to get some pass rush. I think they've got to be able to stop the run. Certainly Crawford helps that, but they've got to be able to put pressure on the quarterbacks. When Carolina's defense over the years has been really good, it's because they had guys that could rush the passer from the edge. And I think you've got to be able to get pressure with four or three uh, consistently because if Carolina has to blitz as much as they've had in the past, whether it's uh, Holcomb, or, or some of the other younger linebackers, then it exposes that linebacker weakness. I think that'll be a problem for Carolina. So that's why I think Carney or Fox. Be interesting to see what our listeners have to say about that on the message boards. We're going to keep it going quick. Uh, and I'm going to stay on defense, Ross. Best defensive back, since we didn't name one in that little segment. In, in your mind, who's the best defensive back on this football team? Yeah, that's a great question because um, I think you can pick from Dorn, J.K. Britt, or K.J. Sales. I think Dorn is set for a big year. I think he kind of learned what it was like to to be a starter last season, you know, and obviously played played pretty well, but also made a lot of mistakes that cost UNC on some of those big chunk plays. I think he has the potential. We've kind of seen it in some social media and, and talking to some coaches that he has the potential to be a an NFL caliber Safety has all the tools, um, all the physical attributes at, at 6'2", over 200 pounds with that speed, that instincts, that athleticism. And I think I think Dorn takes a huge step this year, leading that defense at the uh, the safety spot, uh, becoming UNC's you know best, maybe most talented uh, defensive back. Greg, your thoughts there? Uh, it's hard to argue with Dorn and the talent. Is he the best and most important? That was the point I was going to make, Tommy, is I don't think there's any question that DB-wise, Dorn has the highest ceiling uh, and probably is the most talented of that that back group. But I'm going to go with, with J.K. Britt, and, and the reason I'm going to go with Britt is he, he played well last year when he came in for Donnie Miles. The guy can lay a lick, and I think that's valuable. I think if you have a few of those uh, big hit plays, I mean, we remember Kendrick Burney back in 08. The reason that defense back then took a step forward it's because you had some of this incredible highlight reel type plays on just tackles, on hits. Uh, and I think Britt can do that. But Britt is very articulate. He's a very sharp guy. Uh, he strikes me as just an incredible uh, leaner. Uh, and uh, that, to me, means a lot. And so I think while Doran has the talent, I think Britt is a guy that can really rally this group and sell him down because you have to remember, MJ Stewart's gone. Donnie Miles is gone. Those are guys that were multi-year starters in this this back group. And so for Britt to be able to step in as a senior and maybe corral some of these younger guys, I think that's very important. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of add on, I mean, Britt is a good dude. He's smart. He's sharp. He's been with this program for four years, so he hasn't played that much. And he's finally getting his chance as a senior to take over that starting role. He did play as a starter last year when Donnie Miles went out. So this is his year, and he has to be pretty excited about that. He may not have the starts that some other players have, but he he knows what to do and has kind of been in this John Papuchas, Gene Chizik defense for four seasons, this being his fourth. I think there's a lot to that. So combine him with Dorn, and I think you have a, a very veteran uh, safety group back there. 
I like the Brit pick. You know, I like Dorn back there. I, I like the Brit pick. I think the experience he got last year is going to really help this year. Some of the younger guys are going to have to step up. I mean, it seems like it's been forever since we hadn't talked about MJ Stewart being a Tar Heel, and it pretty much has. So there's plenty of space or, or plenty of opportunity for some of the younger guys, maybe a, a Richardson or a Morrison or, or you know, even Javon Terry, some of those guys to make a name for themselves in the backfield. But I think Britt and Dorn, to a certain extent, are going to be the, the ones that have to lead the group. Let's switch it over, and we're going to keep it moving fast. We're going to the offensive side. And, Ross, I'll start with you this time. Again, most important offensive uh, – I don't want to say position because I think that one's going to be pretty obvious. But most important offensive player for this North Carolina team. Um. And I almost want to say not including the quarterback, quarterback, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it has to be the quarterback, but I'm going to, I also going to skip that because that's a clear thing within this offense and I'm going to go with an easy pick. I think Ratliff Williams has to have a huge year. All the attention is going to be on him uh, after his breakout sophomore season, but he still needs to make all those big plays and take the pressure off the offense and the defense. If he can get some chunk yards you can move the chains if he can have those breakout 50 60 type games 50 60 yard type games and make the big catches to make his quarterback look good that's gonna be huge for this offense you know the quarterback position there's tons of question marks but i think what we do know is there are some playmakers uh at wide receiver and if anthony rather williams can make those plays he can make this offense go and i think that's why he is so important to the success of the group this year Greg, tough to argue with that. I think he's probably a given, uh, but your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious, um, and it's not Ratliff Williams, and it's not the quarterbacks. I think it's J.J. McCargo. Hmm. And McCargo is a guy that he only played in about half the games last year, and he got the most reps against Old Dominion and Western Carolina. So when people saw him play, obviously he had good games against those teams especially. And so – he didn't get a whole lot of reps in some of the other games. And in talking with him and talking with Chris Kapilovic this offseason, uh, part of the reason he didn't play in some of those other games, even though Cam Dillard was hurt, is because he had some issues picking up you know, what the, the defense was doing with the fronts. You know, when you, when you had a very base defense, like an old Dominion or a Western Carolina that wasn't as good, you could throw him out there and feel comfortable. But against some of the better teams that mix things up, he really struggled. And he did not get to practice in spring ball uh, due to an injury. And so he's, he's the pick. I mean, he's the guy uh, at center. There's really no competition there at that spot. Chris Kapilvic really likes him. think he, he can be a very good center. But he's going to have to prove it. And I think you know, the center position, because North Carolina does not huddle, the center is responsible for relaying calls to the tackle on both sides. So that's very important. He's got to be able to pick up, you know, is the safety rolling over left? Is the safety rolling over right? What's the middle linebacker doing? Because a lot of these pre-snap reads depend on what the middle linebacker does. So he's got to know all those things. He's got to have a good rapport with the quarterback, and he's got to be able to communicate with his offensive line. Uh, that's, that's a lot of stuff for a center to do. And so I think for McCargo, if he has a good year, this offense will have a good year, regardless of who's at the quarterback. But if he struggles, I think this entire group can can you know, struggle as well, regardless if they have all these other good pieces at, at skill position. North Carolina has always had good skill position players. 
last year, some of them were hurt, which, which damaged how productive the offense could be. But when the offensive line is really good, that's when this offensive system really takes off. And I think it's important when you look at most important player, you think about which player would, uh, would affect you and see the most if they were to be injured. I think that brings to light, if McCargo were to be injured, who, who steps in? Anderson hasn't played any. Um, there, there's a, a walk-on senior, I believe, as well, who's also kind of a backup center. John so Patrol, if, yeah. yeah, so there, there's guys who haven't really played much behind McCargo. So if he were to get injured, which, you know, it's not crazy to think that he misses some snaps or even a game or two based on that position, that's kind of a scary idea for uh, for UNC's offensive line. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great pick there for the most important offensive player. Certainly. I think the center is the most undervalued player by the fan base in Larry Fedora's offense um, and these type offenses. I think they're the most important guy on the field. you got to have a quarterback that can play. Uh, you got to have skill guys. you got to have guards and tackles. But if your center gets everybody where they need to be on that offensive line, like you talked about, Greg, it makes it run. And if if Carolina can't get there, then they're going to struggle regardless. And uh, we've seen in the past when the center's gotten blown up on certain plays, the whole play goes in the toilet right out the gate. And it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, doesn't matter who's running back receivers. Good stuff. Let's talk about surprise position group. Um, and Greg, I'll let you start here. You know, we've talked about all of them already in this podcast, but which one uh, is going to surprise some people this year? Wow, that's that's a good one. Um, oddly enough, I think I'm going to go with linebacker. And I don't know that I have a lot of uh, data to kind of back up that claim. But like Ross mentioned earlier, Cole Holcomb's really like the only guy there that's proven. But in talking with some of the coaches and, and some other people around the program, uh, Don Ross has, has really had, you had a good spring. They feel like he's a guy that's really stepped up and, and can kind of uh, settle in at that outside linebacker spot. And then your Jonathan Smith has had a, a pretty good training camp, uh, but the Flint kid behind him, the true freshman, he's played well too. So I, I think when you look at the different pieces and the other kid, uh, Jeremiah Gimmel, so you've got some pieces there that have the potential. I don't think there's any question that this is a very athletic group and you like to kind of start there. Uh, they've got to prove it on the field. But I think there's some good pieces there. And as long as that defensive line can, can help them out some, I think we'll see some some good positive plays out of that linebacker group. Ross, it's really tough to argue with that group as your take. Well, surprise. I mean, it's so hard because you're kind of predicting, trying to look ahead and, and see who has a big year. I think the tight ends could surprise with Carl Tucker and, and Jake Vargas and Brand Fritz coming back from injury. But I really like the DBs. We've talked about them already a little bit. You like what they have at safety. You heard that in the podcast uh, a couple of minutes ago. KJ Sales is set to have kind of a breakout year after playing the majority of last season. But there's just so many different names. You have, um, you know, Trey Morrison as a freshman could come and play some. Bryson Richardson could play some. CJ Cotman, we've heard his name as one of the best athletes on the team. Patrice Renee, uh, there's a recently an article on him on Inside Carolina about, you know, his taking his next step, stepping in as the second corner. At, at like 6'2", 200 pounds. So there's a lot of athletes, a lot of good size at safety, um, at corner and safety this season. And I think that could be a strength of the defense, um, kind of sam with the linebackers sandwiched in between two really good position groups. 
it'll be interesting to see how the defensive backs react to a new coach. They've had three coaches in three years, which that instability you don't like there. But I think there's some really some gamers and some players who have, have seen the field a lot, have some experience, and are ready to kind of make an impact. And you'd like to see them have a couple more turnovers this year after what we've seen the last two years. Yeah, and to, to Ross's point, uh, I'll butcher this, but Buck has always talked in the past about you know, of all the position groups, as you get further away from the ball, those are the guys that can play early. And so you're primarily you're talking about wide receivers, but I think defensive backs come into play as well. And always, always really kind of try to find out who are the true freshmen that are making noise. And if you look at the defensive back group over the last two years, really, uh, there's a couple young guys that have that have made noise in camp. You know, if you go back several years, the name we heard in spring ball uh, was MJ Stewart. Like this guy is a baller. He's going to be really good, and it, it played out. But we've heard about you know, last year. We heard about Shaw. We heard about Cotman. Those two guys were eventually going to be really good. This year, you know, it was Bryson Richardson in spring ball. That guy's like he's already guaranteed playing time because he, he played so well early. And like Ross said, I mean, you've got a guy like Morrison who's really looked good. Javon Terry's another kid. And so when you start adding in some really young pieces to, you know, to go along with Sells and Renee and, uh, and Dorn and Britt, I think that's a very good sign, not just for this year, obviously, but kind of moving forward. I'll say this, and Greg, it's weird we're on the same page over and over. If the <laughs> linebackers get any postseason recognition from the media – or from any postseason teams, whether it's all ACC, first team, second team, whatever, then I think we're talking about Carolina having a really good year on the football field. And that's pretty much it. That That's linebackers, linebackers, linebackers is my take on that. Man, Tommy, you're loving all of Greg's picks. Um, but obviously we're going here to a, to our new sponsor, Jersey Mike's. We're going to introduce Jersey Mike's subs of Chapel Hill. Four locations in Chapel Hill. we got one location off Elliott Road, one on MLK off I-40, one at Falcon Bridge Shopping Center off uh, right off I-40, and then in Hillsborough off of exit 261. Our guys, Charlie, Clinton, Griffin, are big-time UNC fans. They're local residents, and they're inside Carolina readers as well. They partner with us to give a great deal for IC Podcast listeners. So right now, head to jerseymikes.com backslash order and enter the promo code HEELS15. For 15% off your order, you can use it for tailgates, heading into town for a lunch, just driving through Chapel Hill and all through the season into basketball season. So that's heels15, jerseymikes.com backslash order. There's four locations in and around Chapel Hill. It's a great way to support us at Inside Carolina and support some uh, some great local companies. Um, so go over to jerseymikes.com backslash order, heels15, and get it done. Back to you, Tommy. Good stuff, Ross. Let's, Greg. I'm coming straight at you. Let's let's talk about overall. We had this roundtable podcast that stirred up a lot of folks. A lot of folks think we're being negative. A lot of folks think we're being pessimistic. Um, so let's flesh it out just a little bit. Uh, North Carolina's record. I believe we're all in the six and six, seven and five ish range on that podcast, Greg. But and we talked about most important game. Let's talk about turning point game in your opinion, on this football schedule. Start at Cal in about 10 days or less. Uh, but where does this season turn? Either way for North Carolina, Greg. Well, I think I'm different than a lot of people in that 
I don't put a lot of emphasis on the Cal game. I understand it's the first game, and we know Larry Fedora's history with openers against Power 5 opponents and all those kind of things. I do not think the non-conference slate means that much this year. And so I'm going to go with Pitt. With Pitt being the home opener, uh, or the home ACC opener anyway, uh, I think that is a critical game. I think Pitt's probably going to be better than a lot of people think. I think that's going to be a competitive game. North Carolina, I believe, has lost 14 of their last 17 ACC openers. And so I think that's a critical game. That's 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 one where North Carolina can win. And maybe they should win. And if you can win that game, regardless of what happens, the, you know, the first three games of the year, uh, I think you can generate some momentum. Because after that, I mean, if you lose that game, then you're having to go to to Miami. That gets really tough really quick. But if you win that game, you kind of build a foundation. You you can you can build off of that. Yeah, Greg, you're not putting a lot of attention on the uh, the out of conference games. But what if UNC was to go one and two heading into to Pittsburgh? I mean, that doesn't look so good, especially. I mean, you know how much we've talked about this off the air. How much attention Fedora and the staff are clearly put on the Cal game. Do why, why do you not see those those out of conference games as that important? Because of this, I, I think Eastern East Carolina is bad. I think that'll be a relatively easy win for North Carolina. I think Western will be an, an obvious win for North Carolina. I think Central Florida is going to be a lot better than some people, especially on our board, think. And UNC is going out to Cal as about a seven or eight point dog. And your odds of winning as a dog on the road, having to go across the country, are not very high. Uh, and so uh, can North Carolina win the game? Sure, of course they can. But for people to think, ah, oh, well, they should go out there and win. Well, I mean, Vegas, those guys aren't idiots, right? I mean, there's reason to think Cal can be decent this year. Uh, and so I just think you know, people have the tendency to put so much on that first game, and if they get deflated because Cal has not been good in recent years, even though they were they were pretty good last year, and they beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill, and they return – a large majority of their pieces. I think we, we get too wrapped up in those things, but I think if you can you say, okay, now we're talking about two and two in non-conference play. How do they do an ACC play? And if you lose the pit, forget it. Right. Yeah. I mean, at, at best you go six and six and you get to a, a bowl game, but if you can win that game, now you're two and two in the year. If you say, well, they lose the California, they lose the central Florida. Then you go to Miami and you have you have some chance. You you feel okay about yourself. You probably lose that game, but even after that, I think most of the games beyond Miami are winnable. And so as long as you play okay against Cal and you play okay against Central Florida, you can build momentum with the ACC win against Pitt. Am I hearing yeah. something about moral victories? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm not a moral victory guy. But I will say this. If 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 you go and you, you play okay, like a lot of people knew that North Carolina did not play well against South Carolina in 2015, right? No question. North Carolina should have won that game, but they lost it. But after that game, the players knew that they should have won that game. They knew they were a better team. I overheard Elijah Hood talking to his teammates the week after saying, man, we're going to tear people up from here on out. And it wasn't, I hope we tear people up. It was, we're going to tear people up. And from that point forward, they had an understanding of what they could do, and we saw it. They won 11 straight. 
Um, and so there's a little bit of that. And maybe uh, maybe that's the moral victory. I don't see it as that. I see it as we did enough to win. We just fell short. And if they play that well, I think I think you can take a lot from that. Let, let me jump in here with my my key game, the turning point game. I think Pittsburgh's a great answer. I kind of agree with that. I think Cal is pretty important for just how kind of getting on the right track. But without those two, I'm going to go Virginia Tech. Um, you know, you think Virginia Tech coming in after killing UNC last year up in Blacksburg, you think they'd be the overwhelming favorite. But they've lost a lot, too. They've had some players dismiss. UNC gets them off their bye week, and they also get kind of an extended bye week, having played Miami on the Thursday two weeks before. So they have the biggest break they'll have all year. Uh, hosting Virginia Tech uh, at home on October 13th. If they can get that game, then the schedule, assuming they you know maybe beat Pittsburgh and BDCU and maybe win one of Cal or UCF, they're looking pretty good heading into some very winnable games at Syracuse, at Virginia, home versus Georgia, Georgia Tech. You never know what happens there. Then at Duke, a toss-up game, and then Western Carolina and State. So if they can kind of sneak a win at, at home against Virginia Tech, man, the whole season kind of changes because you get some momentum. You show, show you can win, uh, and then you can go on and win some more games in conference. And that could really turn the season if they can win that game. I know it's it's easier uh, said than done, but that could be a, a big turning point of the season there. Let me ask you this, and this is something we can debate plenty in the next 10 days. Is the Cal game more important for the team or the fan base, Greg? Fan base, without a question. Ross, you agree with that? I mean, I think any win is is huge for the the team. Getting that confidence, getting that all those losses out of your out of your mouth after losing nine games last season, a win will be huge for the confidence of this team. Um, I think I think it'd be big. I think it'd be big that they went went to California and beat a Power Five team they lost to last year. Let me phrase it like this: Let's say Carolina goes to Cal, they beat the Bears, they come back, they beat ECU, they lose to Central Florida because I think Central Florida's a loss. And then they welcome Pitt at two and one and the young quarterback for Pitt who had a good end of the year last year explodes against the defense, upsets North Carolina. Tor Hills are now two and two, oh and one in ACZ play going to Miami. Which is better? That's so correct. Yeah, you're right. I agree. I agree with you, but <laughs> he just asked me. He just asked me who it's bigger for. Calgary. But I, I I think I think they need to get off to a good start, but I tend to agree that they need to beat Pitt because if you go to Miami, uh, you know, at one and three, that's not going to look good. And another question for Greg and Ross, this is a point you were making about Virginia Tech. Greg, what is Larry Fedora's record with more than uh, two weeks-ish to prepare for a football game? (laughs) I don't have that in front of me, but it's not good. Um, I think we can start there, especially against Division you know, 1A programs. Um, so maybe that's a fluke. I mean, it's a very small sample size. Um, but but I will say this. I, I think Ross is, is spot on with circling Virginia Tech. I think that's a game North Carolina can win. When the AP, AP poll came out today and Virginia Tech was top 25, I'm like, what? Like, have, have you followed what's happened to that program this offseason? They've lost a lot of key pieces, and I know they got Jackson back. But I think that is a game UNC can win. And so if we're talking hypotheticals, let's say they get up Cal and win. Let's say they hold serve against Pitt. 
even if you lose to Miami, if you if you knock off Virginia Tech at home, now we're dealing. Now you're talking about okay, eight wins certainly is on the table, maybe more than that. Uh, and so I think that is a game that that North Carolina can still. And a lot of people would be surprised, especially in the national media, that, whoa, wait a minute, Carolina beat Virginia Tech? Virginia Tech has owned them the last two years. Uh, And so I I think that's a good pick by Ross. I tend to agree. I I just think for the fan base and for Keenan Stadium purposes, they've got to get off to a good start. Um, And Fedora's own Pittsburgh. So, anyway, surprise loss, uh, Ross. Let's uh... (laughs) – Greg, Greg, Greg. It's been that kind of day. Surprise loss, Ross. Uh, um, I could see them going up to Syracuse and losing. You know, kind of an overlooked game uh, up in a, a weird arena. You know, Syracuse has been able to surprise some teams up there. So that's definitely, um, you know, you never know with this UNC team. There's so many toss-up games. I think Dino Babers has, has been able to upset uh, a, a few teams. And so I could see that happening uh, and kind of be your classic UNC road fumble. Greg, your surprise loss, and I want to do surprise win, so add in your surprise win as well. Well, I think Ross is spot on with Syracuse. Um, just you know, Dino's got that offense that is that's kind of wide open, uh, and Eric Dungy is is a heck of a quarterback. He doesn't have a whole lot around him on either side of the ball, uh, but sometimes good quarterbacks can make up for a lot of deficiencies. They they beat State a couple years ago. They they beat uh, Clemson last year up there. And so I think that's the, the one you have to circle. And then in terms of surprise win, I, mean, I guess Virginia Tech. I, mean, I guess that, that counts. I, mean, I, don't, I don't see them beating Central Florida. I don't see them beating Miami. And those are really the only two that would surprise me. I mean, Virginia Tech would be third on that list, so I guess I'd have to go with the Hokies, even though I think, I think North Carolina can win that game and actually pick them to, to win that game. It's so hard to do this because there's like seven or eight toss-up games. I mean, UNC right. could be a dog up at Syracuse, for all we know. Right. Um, yep. But they could be favored, you know, at Duke. We just don't know how – there's so many, so much parity in the Coastal. It's hard to kind of see where, who's going to be favored and when. Uh, we'll know more kind of after the, the first three or four games. I, uh, I for think, my surprise – I think it's a domino effect, though. I, I think either way, it's a domino effect for this North Carolina team. Go ahead, Ross. Uh, surprise win. Um, yeah, Virginia Tech would be a little surprising. You know, I, I know Greg is so high on UCF, but I think that's a winnable game for UNC. Um, I wish I had a, a dollar every time Greg's told me that UCF's going to beat UNC. But, uh, you know, if they could get, get some momentum early and, and welcome in the national champions and and make some plays in front of a home crowd in mid-September, I think that could be, I guess, surprising to Greg. So that would count, right? <laughs> that would, yeah. Greg, let me ask you one more question on this point. Is is the Syracuse a surprise loss because they beat Clemson last year? If they didn't beat Clemson last year, would we even be having this Syracuse conversation? That's a good question. And the fact that, I guess it was two years ago they beat State, that adds to it. Uh, that is a very loud arena. Uh, it's indoor, and so North Carolina obviously doesn't play in a lot of those, and everything echoes. I mean, even for the basketball games, that place is crazy loud, and they only have it set up for, for half the arena. Um, but as I said, really, I think in the college game, quarterbacks rule the day. 
When we saw it with Marquise Williams in 2015, he drove that season. There, there's a lot of things that happened for North Carolina. They had a, a lot of, you know, everybody was healthy. The defense capitalized in the red zone, as I mentioned earlier. A lot of good skill position players. But there's no question Marquise drove the day there. Uh, we saw it with Deshaun Watson. We've seen it with Vince Young. Um, a lot of guys like that, Cam, uh, Cam Newton and Auburn. I mean, Eugene Chizik does not win a national championship without Cam Newton. No question about it. Uh, and I think Dungy is is very underrated because he does not have a lot around him. And anytime you can put a quarterback out there that alone he can win a game by himself. I mean, people point to how Syracuse closed the season. I mean, he was hurt the last three or four games and didn't even play. Well, of course that happens. Uh, but if he's healthy, he's going to give Syracuse a chance to win every game, especially at home. Uh, and so I think that's that's why I think more than the, the Clemson game last year, that's why I've got Syracuse circled. And now I want to welcome in our next sponsor, HeelsTravel.com. It's a place to go for traveling to away games. UNC, uh, Inside Carolina is a partner with, partner with HeelsTravel.com to provide an easy and simple way to travel to away games. Our guy Chuck Joyce is a diehard UNC fan and wanted to kind of provide a different way for UNC fans to get to away games. Right now, they're selling packages to the Cal-UNC game. There's two packages left. Last time I checked, so if you want to sneak in a, a last-second trip to San Francisco, head to HeelsTravel.com. The package includes airfare, a bus ride to and from the airport to the hotel. The hotel is right in Berkeley, so you can see all of that college town and then hop over to San Francisco um, after the game on Saturday or Friday as well. So head to HeelsTravel.com or call 336-855-0060 to book. That's HeelsTravel.com, 336-855-0060 to book. It's always easy to have someone else do all the legwork for you, figure out what's the best way to travel from here and there, and, and book those hotels and flights for the best price possible. Also, they're having buses that are leaving from Chapel Hill to go to the East Carolina game and buses that leave from Chapel Hill to go to the Virginia game October 27th. So those are some fun trips you can pack with some friends and go cheer on the Tar Heels for those games as well. And look forward very soon, the Las Vegas trip for basketball is coming out. That's over Thanksgiving weekend, over November 22nd to 23rd. And they're setting up a package to Chicago for the CBS Sports Classics Classic against Kentucky on December 22nd. So great chance to see your Heels play football, and also play some basketball here in the season ramps up in November. Back to you, Tommy. I tell you what, part of traveling, the pain in the butt in traveling is making all the plans. So this is pretty cool that Hills Travel. Yeah, the, 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 Ve- the Vegas stuff is awesome. You imagine getting a group of guys together or your family and kind of going over and spending Thanksgiving in Las Vegas, watch two games of, of high-level UNC basketball and kind of have a, a cool little couple days in Las Vegas. It, it sounds super fun. Yeah, I'm a big family guy. You can't take the family to Vegas. You got to take the boys <laughs> to Vegas. There's uh, stuff to do. There's stuff to do there for for kids still. Just not <laughs> a lot of the really really fun stuff, I guess. Yeah, not not stuff I'd be doing. <laughs> let's get back to this <laughs> this football and Ross. Let's talk about surprise storylines maybe for this football team. Uh, we cover the waterfront on these podcasts and. You see it as much as anybody, and all our listeners and readers on the message board certainly 
um, or all in the weeds when talking about North Carolina football. But let's let's look at maybe what might surprise somebody or, or surprise these folks in your mind coming from this football squad. Very important season, I think, uh, for North yeah. Carolina football. So I spoke to a couple sources uh, after the scrimmage on Saturday, and the guy I talked to was super impressed with with Nathan Elliott. Um, the way he runs the offense, just how it kind of clicks with him um, going through the, the certain plays and the schemes and whatnot. And that and it makes sense that Elliott's been in the system for four years now. He understands what Larry Fedora and Coach Heckendorf and Coach Cap want from him. And while he may not have the physical abilities of Marquise Williams or a Mitch Trubisky, Knowing mentally what to do and knowing your limitations and what you're good at can be huge when you're talking about a quarterback in UNC's system. So I think, you know, with all of the players around him, the skill position players, I think Elliott has a chance to really get this offense going and rebound from a really disappointing season last year where the offense looked lost at times. Like he uses his experience from the last three games that he started and you would think a lot of the receivers and running backs have improved. And if the offensive line can come together and give him time to throw and get the ball into the hands of all those guys, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, Rontavius Groves, Daz Newsom, um, Thomas Jackson, the freshmen, Diami Brown, and, and Antoine Green, uh, I think this this offense can you know be pretty special if things kind of go in the right direction. Now, there's not a lot of room for mistakes. But um, obviously, there's not too much hype around Elliott. But I think, you know, he's a very capable guy who knows what to do. And given, you know, time and given all the skill position guys can have a big year. And I think, you know, that's huge if the, if the defense can kind of, you know, get the ball back to him. I think he has a chance to, to have a, cool, a pretty special year. Uh, and that's definitely something I'm considering. Considering to, to look for as, as a storyline as the season progresses. Yeah, what do you I kind think- of think, Tommy? Well, I think Elliot needs to be serviceable, and I think he's going to do that. He, like you mentioned, he doesn't have to do anything super great. You know, everybody talks about arm strength and all that. You just need to get the ball where it needs to be when it yep. needs to get there. And um, he's got guys that can make up for you know, bad throws, which you can't make up for is bad timing. And I think Elliot um, gets that. I think he's going to improve on that. As long as the ball's on time, it doesn't have to be perfectly thrown in North Carolina's system. So I agree with you on that. Let me, let me talk to you about linebackers, though. And I I mentioned it earlier, and I really believe it, that I think if the linebackers are as good um, or, or a lot better than we think, that I think North Carolina's defense has, has been really good for the season. But your thoughts there. I mean, your guy, Dom Ross, we've talked about him for a long time on this podcast. Your thoughts on the position outside of Cole Holcomb? I mean, somebody's got to step up. Somebody's got to be better than anybody expects. Yeah, I think it's it's a storyline to watch in terms of just, I mean, can they get the job done and be good enough to, to help this defense be um, what they can be? You know, we don't, we don't see much. We, they we're, only, we're only allowed to watch 30 minutes of practice. I think we've done that three or four times so far, and they pretty much locked it down now that the school – has started and they're prepping for Cal. Um, and we know what Cole can, can bring, you know, and John Smith was a pretty high recruit. He's a little undersized. He doesn't have that lateral quickness that you want from your middle linebacker position, but he's a, he's a big hitter. 
He can handle that position in terms of physicality. He's seen some time now. And in that interview he did, I think it was two weeks ago with our new intern, Gregory Hall, he talked about just really committing to the um, to the, the film room more and something that he didn't do early in his career. And that cost him last year. But he, he kind of realized how important that is. So you like that kind of mental um, awareness and knowing what you need to do and knowing that he's going to be the guy and be counting on, counted on to, to make some big plays and be the guy in the middle there. And then, you know, there are some guys. We've heard Dominique Ross physically has it all there. Can he put it all together mentally? In the offseason, I heard that he was finally combining his physical attributes with that mental aspects. And when you combine those two together, he, he was putting it all together. That's good to hear. We won't know until we see him in action. He hasn't played too much. I mean, he's spot minutes here and there. I think he started the NC State game last year with the players route with injury. Then beyond then, there's no one's who no one who's really been tested. You know, Alan Artis is a name that I've heard will be kind of a backup guy and a, a guy you can kind of trust back there given his experience so far uh, at UNC. And then Jeremiah Gimmel is getting some hype. Malik Robinson is obviously going to sit out. I think he's got a four-game suspension. Um, and then the kind of the freshman, like Greg mentioned, Matthew Flint, he'll provide some time and some reps there. But beyond that, it's a very slim slim group um so i think the concerns are there and i think obviously won't know until the the ball is kicked but i think the the concerns are fair and some guys are really gonna have to step up and that's obviously what we've talked about for so long good stuff ross now i want to bring greg in to sort of wrap this one up nice and neatly greg your thoughts on surprise storylines for the 2018 season it's one that going into I don't really know what to expect from the outside looking in. You've been on the inside a little bit. What do you think might surprise us this season? I think it's got to be quarterback play. And I think a lot of people look back to last year and say, ah, you look at Nathan Elliott, you look at Chess Rat, Brandon Harris, and wonder what went wrong. But I think it's, it's critically important for people to understand that, that last year, the coaching staff uh, was set for Mitch Trubisky to come back for his senior year. The only reason Brandon Harris showed up on campus is because Mitch left for the NFL draft early. And people may say, well, hey, that, that points to some recruiting messes. Maybe so. But I think what you have to take from that is, look, Anthony Rattler-Williams, uh, his future was not at quarterback. And he, he you know, credit to him for for picking up wide receiver and becoming uh, a potential standout like he is. And then Caleb Henderson decided to transfer and he's up in Maryland now. Uh, but you know, North Carolina had no indication before Mitch started his you know, junior year that he was going to be a potential you know, top five draft pick, which he ended up being. And so when he left, North Carolina knew, you know, into they knew before spring practice, but they knew during spring practice that Nathan Elliott and Chas Rat were not quite ready to take over, you know, starting quarterback positions. And because Brandon Harris came into school in, in July and was not able to pick up the offense as quickly as everybody had hoped, Larry Fedora had no choice but to go to Chas Rat and Nathan Elliott early. 
but the fact that those guys got playing experience and they went through spring ball and and everything we've heard is that they had very successful spring practices and they've done good in training camp. Um, I think I think those guys, regardless of who starts and regardless of who plays the most snaps, I think they're going to have a pretty good year. I, mean, I think this offense is set up for the quarterback to be successful. And uh, I don't think the fact that those guys you know, struggled a bit last year is any kind of indication that you know, they cannot be successful in this offense. So the fact that they've got yet another offseason under the belt, I think whoever it is that ends up being the guy, we know Nathan's going to be the guy for four games. I suspect he'll be the guy for the entire season. But if Chaz somehow beats him out, uh, it's not going to be because Nathan stunk it up. It's going to be because Chaz was just better. And so I think the surprise storyline is going to be how good the quarterbacks actually play this year. Interesting take, Greg. I think uh, anything could happen. I think North Carolina is in need and maybe primed for a surprise positive season. I think you're right. The quarterbacks will play a huge part of that. I think the defense will play a huge part of that. Greg and Ross, it's been a pleasure. These are fun. We're going to get into game mode next week when we talk as Carolina and Cal is just, what, 10 days away, nine days away, September 1st out in Berkeley. Appreciate you joining me, Greg and Ross. Thank you to our listeners. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by Jersey Mike's. Head to jerseymikes.com slash orders. Enter the code HEELS15 and get 15% off your order at any Chapel Hill area. Jersey Mike's definitely worth it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.